0: Welcome to Jersey Guys Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers for all nights, I'm your host, Don, and I want to thank you for listening. Now, today I'm going to be talking about Rutgers football crash landing in their season finale. And now, the fact that they may actually need a quarterback. Rutgers basketball is gearing up and getting ready to play some top-tier teams. The New York Rangers may need a little help, and the Giants lose to Dallas. And you know what? Kayvon Thibodeau might actually be a miss for a draft pick. So let's go ahead and get started, and I'm going to start with Rutgers football. So this is going to be kind of a short smorgasbord of a podcast where I'm going to start talking about Rutgers football and kind of zip through a few things on my mind. So as I sit here at the end of November, I'm not liking where a lot of my teams are, and how they're playing in the future for a lot of them, i got to say. And I'm not even going to talk about the Yankees today, who are in sort of a rinse-repeat mode for the last five years, where you don't change many of the pieces, you keep Boone, you keep Cashman, you recycle the same ideas, the same bad plays, the same kinds of players, and don't move forward. That's who I'm not going to talk about. I am going to talk about a few of my other teams. So I'm going to start with Rutgers football who crash-landed last Saturday, losing 37-0 to Maryland and looking every bit as bad as that score would indicate. And sometimes you have scores and you watch games and you say, "Eh, you know, if I watched it, it really wasn't as bad as that, or you know, we weren't really as good as that, but, man, we blew them out. If you watch this game, Rutgers was as bad as their 37-0 loss to Maryland. The offense was completely and utterly inept. The defense played fairly well for some time. And then again, you know, call it what you want. They got tired out. They got worn down. They did whatever. They gave up way too many yards. You know, another 500-yard outing. You know, they get praised a lot, you know, in the mortem, And they play very well for stretches, but haven't really been, I'd say, tremendous for whole games a lot of times this year. But certainly one could come to a good assumption and look at the Rutgers defense and say, you know what, we actually have a Big Ten defense. Given a few tweaks here and there, we actually have a Big Ten defense. Uh, we are not close to having a Big Ten offense, and it's something that has to be addressed. It's something that Greg Shanno has got to figure out. Um, it is early in Greg Shano's second time around here. But it's getting late early, you know, as Yogi used to say, right? Um, We're now three years in to Shano's second uh, appearance here at Rutgers. And the results of this year are a little discouraging. Um, And a lot of it, admittedly, is this cash 22. Like, you need to have a quarterback, right? Um, And I don't know that we have one. And it's hard to be very good without a quarterback. But there's so much other stuff at play that bothers the shit out of me. The continued penalties in big situations on all sides of the ball, special teams, offense, defense, continues to drive this podcaster friggin' nuts, and I've had enough of it. And it leads up to Shiano. And I don't care what kind of dog shit response he's going to give about it. It's him, and he's got to fix it. And I've had enough of it, and he's got to fix it in the offseason. It all leads to the head coach. Number two. He needs to find a good offensive coordinator, hire one, and get goddamn creative on these plays. Not get conservative, not run out the clock at the end of every friggin' first half because you're scared, but actually try to score some points. Obviously, in college football, everything comes down to recruiting and the players that you have. So that's number one on Channel's List, and we have to get better people. The absolute number one biggest thing is trying to understand if we actually have a quarterback at Rutgers. Gavin Wimsett is a bit of an enigma, but the more I see of him, the less confident I am that he is our quarterback of the future. He seems particularly inaccurate in certain cases, and that's quite troublesome. He can run very well. He can throw very far. He has a very strong arm, but none of that matters if you're not accurate. Now, previously, I've been an advocate for giving him some more time, and I've been sort of an evangelist of, you know, the mantra, you have to give people time to judge them. Well, we've given Wimsat a little time now. Now, admittedly, we played much, much better teams at the end of this year than the beginning of this year when he didn't play. Um And so we played very, very good defenses, you know, most of the time, you know, he played against Penn State, he played against Michigan. I'm not going to go into it, but the fact is there are certain things you can read no matter who you're playing, A couple times a game, no matter who you're playing, you might have a pocket and an open receiver and how you throw the ball in those instances is not subject to your opponent. It's just subject to you. You have a, a lane to throw in, you have an open receiver. What did you do? You know, especially in times you're not rushed. And when you assess those situations with Wimsat way too many times, he's missing and, and by fair amounts. Um, and it's concerning, it's troubling, and it's the number one question for Rutgers this offseason. Can Wimsat improve enough to actually be a good Big Ten quarterback? Because I'll tell you what, if he's not, then all the other questions I have don't matter. We have to have a quarterback. We have to. It has to be a quarterback. And hopefully he can improve. Um, the way that the season progressed, I'm less and less confident that he can be the guy. But we're going to have to see next year what we can do. Maybe there's someone that can come in through the transfer portal. I, I don't know what the solution is, but it's extremely discouraging to see how Rutgers football ended the season on a down note and that all of the problems only worsened or continued as the season went on, and Shano didn't correct them. And that means the offense. It means the penalties. It means a terrible, terrible coaching and game management, which is all on Shannon and it's, it's starting to drive me nuts. I fully know, and I've been, again, an evangelist of <clears throat> pointing out the fact that during shannon's first run here, it took four or five years before we really saw any tangible results. We've already seen way more tangible results in the first three years this round than we did last time. And we're in a much, much, much more competitive football division and conference than we were back in 2000 when Shano came around the first time. We had a eh, fairly good Big East, and now we have the best division in the best conference in the country. You know, I, I want anyone to name another team in the country that's not in our division that has to play teams like Penn State, Michigan and Ohio State three teams of that caliber every single year it's very very hard and it's going to take time but even with that said it's hard to ignore what you're seeing in front of your face and we need some we need some improvement and we need it needs to start with Greg Shano and he's got to make sure we have a quarterback he's got to stop the goddamn penalties and Quite honestly, we probably need an offensive line that that can give us a little protection and open some holes for running. Other than that, we're going to have to see where it goes because it's hard to know. With the transfer portal and the way the college football is, off seasons can change teams a lot. So we'll have to see where it goes from here. I'm going to go ahead and move on to Rutgers basketball at this point. I don't actually have too much to say about Rutgers basketball, other than they look pretty good early. Um, they've been playing a few cream puffs along the way, so they should look pretty good early. But I do like some of the things I'm seeing. Um, we're going to have to see how McConnell does now that he's back. He played his first game back the other day. We are getting into a very tough part of the schedule now, where we play Miami and Wake Forest, and we're going to play Ohio State. and. We have some really good, Indiana's number 11 in the country, all coming up in the next, you know, two or three weeks. So we're going to get tested early. he is out. We're going to have to see when he comes back. But we do have a, a few promising new folks playing on the team this year. Um, obviously, Amori is, is, you know, continues to get better and, and looks really good down low. Other than his free throw shooting, I think he's developing into kind of a star in, you know, college basketball. As far as the new people, you know, we have the freshman Simpson who, you know, looks like mini Gio. In the beginning, he had his hair like Gio. Now his hair is more like McConnell, but um, he initially looked like Gio. He wore Gio's number zero. He had the same build and height, um, and he even kind of plays like Gio a little bit. He has a uh, very athletic. He can drive. He has a little crossover dribble. He has a very tall jump shot where he kind of jump up and shoot over people he can drive um, he's certainly not as talented as Gio right now uh, but he certainly has the tools to become a star and i think simpson is uh really has a potential to help this team and obviously cam spencer who's just here for this season he's a senior transfer transfer from the portal looks to be lights out. I mean, this is a guy that's a pure shooter. He shoots 85% for his career from the free throw line, and God knows we need that. This year he's shooting 95% for us. And, you know, he's does everything. He he works defensively. He shoots threes. He's a good player. Um, and we have another freshman, Wolfo, who's kind of a big guy, 6'8", 6'9", and looks strong, and these seem to have some skill inside, and one of the few people that's not missing layups as we go forward here. Um, Hyatt occasionally looks better than he has last year, which is good. I'm not a big Hyatt fan, but he has played a little better this year than he has in the past. What we need improvement from is Moat Mogg. Um, he had one good game, I think, and a lot of bad games so far this year. I'm hoping for some consistent play from him because we're going to need it. Um, and I'm looking forward to Rutgers basketball this year and to see what Steve Peichel can pull out of the fire for a team that has lost, obviously, Geo Baker and Ron Harper, which was two, you know, just legends here at Rutgers over the last year. So let's go, Rutgers, and uh, we'll see what the rack can do this year in providing a great atmosphere, and we'll see how far Peichel can take this team. I'm somewhat confident. It's weird because Peichel as a coach, has continued to exceed expectations for me every single year. The The Rutgers basketball team always seems to be better than I think they will be, or at least as good as what I think they will be every single year, which is a very tough standard to live up to. But I got to see with Paykel, every year, whatever I think they're going to be going into the year, they seem to hit that and go above. And this year, again, I have, I have very low expectations. I just... Mentioned we lost Harper, right? We lost Geo. And and when you think about losing that and, and trying to compete with the great Big Ten teams, you're thinking, geez louise, man, this is going to be tough. And, you know, there's not, not a lot to gauge it on yet. So, you know, we'll come back in a month or so and see actually how we look here. But, you know, so far it seems like we've managed to look pretty decent so far. But we'll have to come back when we've had some tougher competition. And that's all I have to say about Rutgers basketball. So I'm going to move on to the Rangers now. The Rangers need a lot of help. And I don't even know, honestly, how to articulate how I'm feeling about the Rangers. I was thinking about this a few minutes before the podcast. It's easy to see how the Rangers are playing, which is inconsistent and occasionally looking like dog shit. And just think, how dreadfully underperforming they are. And then I think back to last year and everyone assumed at the end of the year, because of how far they went and the run they made and how good they looked that they obviously deserve that. And therefore their play this year is underperforming. And I have to critically assess things. And when I go back and think about it, they certainly overperformed last year, meaning that no one thought they'd go nearly as far as they did in the playoffs last year. They made the playoffs. It was great. And then they came back and won the first series. That was great. And then they came back and won the second series. That was great. And then they were up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, two games away from the cup. And everyone thought that was great. Amazing. You know, and then they lost. And people obviously incorrectly thought they had a tremendous great year. Igor won the Vezina Trophy as the NHL's best goalie. You know, we have great people on the team. But, It still seemed in the end like we overperformed, meaning that we were we played way better than what it would seem like we should, given the players on the team, even though we have some some stars on the team. And while I think the Rangers have done a consistently good job of building this team and then going through a rebuild and building it up, I wasn't sure that last year was the time where everyone came to fruition And maybe this year is revealing that. You know, it's hard to know why the Rangers are playing as bad as they are this year, but they're not playing particularly well. They lost to the Devils yesterday in a game that looked like a very big division in talent, which is really weird because the Devils were not very good this year. and The Devils seemed like the best team in hockey this year, amazingly. Um, And it showed on the ice yesterday. The Rangers seemed quicker. They seem more decisive. They did not turn the puck over. And they even have better goaltending than the Rangers did, which is the most troubling thing of all. Igor needs to be better. Point blank. He was even killing himself in the post-game press conference yesterday, saying he's ashamed of his play and he needs to play better than this. Um, And he does. And, And quite frankly, he does. Igor has not played this year like he's played last year, and it's hurt the team. Now, it's not just Igor. We continue to have... Turnovers in our own zone. Too much east-west play. Um, there is, in my mind, a lack of hitting compared to last year. And now, of course, we just dumped Ryan Reeves to make room on the salary cap. You know, I, I I feel like part of our DNA was all the hitting last year, where we you know played some physical hockey. And Ryan Reeves is about the most physical person in the NHL. And we just traded him away for a low draft pick. Now we still hit. But it's there's a mental and physical aspect to the Rangers game that differs when Ryan Reeves was in the lineup from when he wasn't. People would not go after your stars. They would not, you know, take a run at you know LaFreniere or one of your young kids if Reeves was in the lineup because they know Reeves would come over and kick your ass. And now he's not on the team, and that intimidator is not there. And beyond that, Reeves generally led the team and sometimes the league in, in hits per game. He had his deficiencies. He was slow. He was not good defensively, but, you know, he he excited the team. He excited the crowd. He stood up for his teammates, and he ensured that teams didn't take runs at us. So it's, it's not certainly the reason that the Rangers are not playing as well this year, but, you know, you add up a few things. You add up goaltending being inferior this year to what it was with Igor not playing as well so far. You have less hitting on the team. You have an increased amount of turnovers. And I I think the people that we got at the deadline that we let get away this year continue to hurt us. And I'm not even talking about trading Strom, you know, releasing him and revising him with Trochak because I still don't know that that's actually helped us. But, you know, we had, you know, all the people we picked up at the trade deadline are now gone And, and it's not it's it's been hard to replace them, um, and we're going to have to see. And as as you can tell, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm not quite sure how to articulate the specific problem of the Rangers, but I can tell you this: they're not playing well enough to win anything right now, and there is trouble in Rangerland. And there's a lack of fire. Um, there's a lack of consistency. There's too many turnovers. There's bad goaltending and it needs to improve. Now, Igor has not been terrible, but, you know, he's certainly been average to just above average in goaltending, you know, which many teams would, would like. But, you know, getting used to just having tremendous goaltending and just going to slightly above average, it it, it feels like a continued drop in play. And, but it also shows the reliance that the Rangers had on their goaltending, which is too much sometimes, meaning that, if you don't have enough talent that such that you have to rely on your goaltender all the time, that shows some inherent problems. And maybe it does have to do with the roster. It's hard to tell. It's early, right? It's the end of November. Um, and you know, a quarter of the season is done. and That should be enough to actually reflect on what's happening. And at this point, the Rangers are not good enough. And we're going to have to see what happens. And as more games come on, I'll probably be able to better articulate where I think the issues are but for right now the issues are multiple and the issues need to get corrected lastly I just want to talk quickly about the Giants so the New York Giants lost to Dallas on Thanksgiving day in Dallas and the Giants have a few problems of their own recently it seems like all my teams are having some a tough go of it recently Ruckers football, Rangers, Giants, they all were doing okay a little while ago. And now all of a sudden, um, Giants are in a little bit of a funk. um, And I wanted to talk specifically, actually, about Kayvon Thibodeau, who was the number five overall draft pick in the first round that everyone was so hyped on. And so far, I think Thibodeau has been dog shit. He missed the first couple games because he was hurt and he's come back. And I don't know what people are writing or talking about him. I don't understand it. But what I, all any press that they're writing, oh, he's just missing. He's just shy of this. He's a, He's been dog shit, basically. He doesn't get any sacks. He's supposed to be this great pass rusher. He hasn't done anything at all yet, nothing. And in my mind, at this point, as we enter December here, it seems like a swing and a miss on the number five overall draft pick. And it's obviously too early to make that assessment. But if I had to make it now, I'd say it was completely, completely blown. Because you compare him and you look at Mika Parsons, who was drafted, what, 11th or 12th last year, two years ago. Um, Thibodeau's number five overall pick. And he doesn't get anywhere near the quarterback. Occasionally against Dallas, he was close once or twice. But, you know... Close only matters what? Hand grenades and horseshoes. It doesn't matter. You have to actually get the sack, right? We need sacks. We need plays. And I don't want to read any more friggin' articles about, oh, how he's improving. And this is the one thing he needs to be like Mika Parsons. He needs everything to be like Mika Parsons. He needs to actually have a few tackles. He needs to actually have some sacks. He needs to cause some disruption in the black field. He's not doing any of that. Any of it. And the people that are writing this shit, like inferring that he is, I don't know what game they're watching, because he gets blocked easily every single week, week in and week out, and I don't understand what other people are actually watching. So Thibodeau, it's early, and and we'll give him till the end of the year at least to see, you know, what he does and if he actually gets any sacks. Um, but as of right now. Dog shit, Dumpster fire draft pick. I do not like it. And, you know, prove me wrong, Thibodeau. Let's see if you actually get any sacks or do anything that you're actually drafted for. That's number one. Number two. The constant talk about Saquon Barkley and the Giants has to stop. The number one thing, we have to get him more touches. You know, as Barkley goes, so the Giants go. (sighs) Yeah. Barkley is a symptom of how the Giants play, not the driver of how the Giants play. And what I mean is that if the offensive line is playing well and there's holes, then Barkley does well and gets a lot of yards. It helps the Giants. Not the other way around, right? It's not like the Giants do well because Barkley does well. Barkley does well because the Giants do well. The cause and effect that people have is backwards and as it is with almost all running backs in the league, you do not win or lose because of a specific running back. You do win or lose because of specific quarterbacks, 100%. You do not win or lose, almost never. I should say you almost never win or lose because of your running back. And 90% of the time, your running back's success or failure is a direct result of how the offensive line is playing and what schemes are run and how you're doing things, right? Now, obviously... That's not always true, and you can create offensive play calls and try to get Barkley the ball more, perhaps in space, or, God forbid, a screen pass or, or something that would enable him to better use his talents or something. And you can always say that. I'm not going to argue that, but mostly that's just chatter in the background. It's what people say on talk shows. If you listen to Michael Kay or you listen to some other – morons who who think they know everything. Um, and you read in the papers with, with these same morons. It's just things you say. You know, it's just like, um, it's like background noise. Oh, we need to utilize our number one, you know, weapon more. We need to, You know what? He's a running back. He runs the ball. He's, he's pretty good. And, you know, that's all that, you know, I can really say at this point. I don't, I don't know what else to say. So, Barkley is neither the savior of this team nor the giant cause of all his troubles. He's just there and he's a symptom of how the Giants are playing. Daniel Jones, on the other hand, is different. And how he plays greatly affects the Giants. And his dog shit throw on Thanksgiving turned the game around. And the commenter actually accurately reflected that because he said (laughs) what I had commented on, you know, with the people I was watching the game from, my family, the same thing. There was a fourth and one and he tried to throw a one yard pass that he threw low and behind someone, I think Barkley, and, and couldn't complete it. And the Giants turned the ball over on downs and the game went the other way. And while Jones has looked much better this year, he has this rattling inability occasionally to make simple passes, an inability to complete very simple passes occasionally. Now, not always, but enough so that it drives me friggin' nuts. You have to be able to complete, you know, a three yard crossing pass. And I don't mean just get it in his vicinity, right? I mean, act- actually accurately throw it so it hits someone in stride when it's three yards away. I mean, you know, I could stand back there and throw the ball lefty fairly accurately. And I'm a righty and I'm sorry, but you know, there are things that NFL quarterbacks need to be able to do consistently all the time. If you're going to lead an NFL team and Jones, you know, this isn't the year to pick on him because he's been better most of this year than he's been in other years, but I'm sorry. I am not a Daniel Jones fan. I never have been. And he, you know, I'm not going to say he cost the Giants the game, but that play turned the game. So maybe it did cost them the game. So I don't have too much else to say on the Giants because there's a lot to get into. Um, You know, they're now hurt tremendously. You know, we have uh, Dory Jackson out returning punts. That was moronic, Um, terrible on Dable's, you know, fault for putting him back there. In any case, the Giants have some... Some problems that I'm not going to get into right now. I just want to briefly touch on them. But my biggest things are: Thibodeau has suck balls. Barkley doesn't matter nearly as much as everyone keeps making it out to be. And again, if he runs great and helps the team, it's because the team is playing well. It's not because he's doing something great or because you know the you know some brilliant other thing scheme was put in. It's probably because the offensive line is is playing better and creating holes. And the third point is that Daniel Jones needs to be consistently good and not miss five-yard, one-yard, three-yard passes when he doesn't have pressure on him. You have to make easy throws consistently to win games. And I'm going to leave it at that for the Giants because I'm a little frustrated with them and with the rest of my teams. I think it's a cumulative effect, right? You watch the <laughs> Rutgers lose. Oh, you watch the Giants. Oh, you get more frustrated. And then the Rangers, you know, look like dog shit against the Devils. Like, oh, and it's just, uh, kind of, it's a, you know, if you're a kind of a local fan of the teams I am, it uh, it compounds, I guess, right? You know, one One loss from one sport compounds the other sport. So anyway, that's all I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to close this out. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. And I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.